Hello, and today, I'm Beatrice, and I'm not without my sister. I'm Rosemary. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So Beatrice, in today's episode, seeing as we're going to be talking about job interviews, I thought I would ask you, what's your biggest weakness or your biggest flaw when it comes to work, do you think? Go on. Oh, it comes to work? Yeah. Is it like a job interview? I hate that question. I know. Um, Because everyone always says they're a perfectionist, which I think is hilarious. So stupid. Like, what a stupid answer. You know, I can be a bit high strung when I don't get things done on time. I'm just just too good at my job. I I just let my work take over everything. I I would say, what is my biggest flaw for real? Like... Yeah. In in work or in an interview? Career-wise. Not like, Beatrice, Jesus, what age, how many interviews have you done? Imagine <laughs> that we're interviewing and oh, I'm oh. saying, are you actually, I, I wasn't sure if you were actually asking me this as an interviewer I'm or, actually like, asking, or asking me in general. I'm, no, I'm actually, okay, no, okay. listen, like, I, I know okay. all your flaws. I'm, I'm actually asking, what would you say if I was interviewing okay, you go, for a job? Go again. Okay, Beatrice, that's great. You've told us about all of your, <laughs> frankly, not very believable <laughs> strengths. What would you say is one of your main weaknesses? Well, Fidelma, I'd say that, um, <laughs> that's insulting. Oh, well, Fidelma, I thought that no offense to any Fidelmas thought that there. was nice. I didn't say it was a bad thing. You're an, I, I assuming you're a nice interviewer. Well, Fidelma, I'd say that I'm, I'm just, I'm an extreme collaborator and that can get in the way maybe of um, sometimes getting things done. Is that what you'd actually say? In, no, you wouldn't. In no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I, what I would you actually no. say? I would say... I don't know, because the truth is probably like, I'm, oh, I probably shouldn't say this. Well, according to, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking that according to my... Finally, finally, you've reached the limit of our, of our brutal honesty. Yeah. Like suddenly, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't no, say No, I was thinking that like, I was actually thinking about this this morning, not because we were going to do this topic, because this just was a, an impromptu topic. But I was thinking this morning that according to my manager or like manager's past, I tend to be emotional, right? But I'm not sure that I'm actually emotional or that I'm passionate because I work mm. in design and I'm creative. And I also wonder if sometimes you're emotional because you're a woman. So well, I was, I was about to say about a passionate woman is an emotional yeah. woman. So I was going, like, I don't think, now I know we, we've already talked about crying at work and I've cried at work, but I don't know that any of my managers witnessed that or saw it. So I think that there is a, a level of like when a man is emotional, it's like, God, he is just, he really cares a lot about this topic. But when you're emotional, it's... It's not the same, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, oh, this oh, is a bit embarrassing. Let's just let her get over this, you know? Yeah. So I think I would be told that I'm emotional or that I am blunt. What is, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm very direct. And I think that, I think that's good. But like they say that your, your, your biggest strength is also your biggest weakness, right? Oh, yeah. Wow. So I would say, well, that's what they say. Like it's flip sides. It's like yeah, on the yeah. one side, it's you're really driven and you're really going to get stuff done. But on the other hand, maybe that makes you, you know, overly focused on the, on the, the goal and not a good communicator, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's probably more direct because I, th- I think being direct is really good, but it's actually not really good for everybody. And not yeah, everybody wants point. to hear it at the end of the day. Like, I'm trying to think the number one bit of feedback, this is going to shock you, Beatrice. The number one thing that I've been told in several jobs. Brace yourself. I am bracing myself. That I'm not very good at taking criticism. Oh, really? Of my work, yeah. But you know, I love what? your work. I, I don't think you're. Oh, I, I honestly think right. So 
there was a job that I had that I remember I got taken in. We used to have like our, what are they called? Reviews every mm-hmm. six months or something. And I had a review and I was basically told that whenever I get criticism, I look really pissed off. <laughs> and like, I don't take it very well. And I was literally like, I honestly just think that's my face. Like, I think basically, I mean, like, who takes criticism and goes, great. You know what I mean? Like, I think I more get frustrated because I'm like, shit, like, it's annoying me that I didn't get that right. Or it's annoying me well, that I, that, well, the that, other thing is, like, down, you your I mean? job and my job are very subjective. So you can give me criticism, but not, I might not agree with you. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's another thing, too, is people can criticize things. like, And unless it's truly like, and it's based on a business decision and it's based on. Well, so this was more when I was a sub, I think. OK, so it was more like, you know, you're taking too long to do this or, you know, this shouldn't be such a complicated task or this is something that you should be able to do. Mostly, I think yeah. it was time where I would sometimes get bogged down in trying to find like the perfect headline or the perfect photograph or something. And then it yeah. would take an hour and a half or it should take 20 minutes. So I think that was more where the criticism was coming from. But didn't you also in that, like, didn't you also, you know, around that time have a couple of bosses who maybe, like, some of it is also the relationship you have with your boss, you know? Like, didn't you yeah. also have somebody who, like, no matter, wanted to do it themselves? You know what I mean? There's a lot of people who I, I, get promoted or, like, you start working for them, but they yeah. can't get out of the job they were in. So they get promoted and they're not really sure what that new job is. Because, like, who tells you? Like, you get this new title on a Thursday and who yeah. tells you now you should do X, Y, and Z? You're supposed yeah. to automatically know, but you're still like, it's really, really hard to step away from the job you were previously doing. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't think, I don't think I would be a very good delegator at all because I think a lot of the time when I think about, I remember for a while when I was doing, being an influencer and, and I was very busy, I thought about maybe I should hire somebody for one day a week to do my ad mini stuff. And then I was like, I just would spend the whole time going, I could just do that. Like, yeah. it's just quicker for me to do that email. Yeah. So I don't think I would be good at delegating. And I think I definitely had a few bosses who... I definitely had a few bosses who had us... An... <laughs> Poor boys. <laughs> they have obviously been warned to stay in the bedroom under pain of death. Oh, my God. He so is going to be a so brutal baby. So f- oh yeah, you're right. But it was so funny when I said Rosemary coming over to the podcast, and they all went, "Yes, we're going to get to go up to lock in the bedrooms and play on our devices." Yes, <laughs> little creeps. I know it's a gorgeous day as well, and they all sat outside and looked like I literally had subjected them to some I don't even know like day in the tundra. I put them. I, admittedly, I sat outside with a blanket under me, so on me. So I well, mean, well, I mean, it's it's not that warm today, but I went for a walk with Brandon and the boys and the dog to the corner so it takes literally three minutes right the two boys William was pushing his pram with his two plushies in it right Finn was pushing his his shopping cart we get to the end of the road and William goes I want to go home my back hurts my back I I, I, I empathise with that when I walk too much <laughs> three minutes Beatrice. is this the same plushie that was in the dog's mouth no that was my plushie you were telling me you, dog, you moved over came. here you brought no furniture and no bedding no anything but you brought your plushie to put in bed with between you and Brandon that's lovely that's lovely. It's not a plushie. It's you a large put the phone, tiger teddy. You should have put the phone into the plushie that night I called you. Oh my God. Oh my God. So, okay. I think we need to give a bit of background on this, right? How are we talking about Smothered again? I know. Well, it's actually, it had a it's lot of good content in That's just true. six episodes. So there's an episode of Smothered, which an excellent highbrow show about the psychology of mother-daughter yes. relationships. Correct. The, the forging of a really, basically it's about moms and daughters who have weird, <laughs> weird super close relationships. Right? Weird moms and daughters with super, super close relationships. And in this one particular episode, 
every night before going to bed, the mother would call the daughter <laughs> and the daughter would put her phone on speaker. <laughs> and the mom would basically lull her to sleep by going, night, night, honey pie, good night. Oh, it's getting, you know, it's getting dark. The, the stars are lighting up the sky. You're going to have a wonderful night. Wasn't that it? Like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Completely. And the boyfriend just lay there, like, on his phone, looking like this was entirely normal. So when Rosemary moved in with Brandon... Not even reacting. No, no, he didn't, he didn't even look... Well, I mean, in Just fairness, goes to show it happens all the time. Well, exactly. It was obviously a nightly, a nightly occurrence. So when Rosemary moved in with Brandon, we decided that this would be... We would do this, that I would... Rosemary would turn her phone on speaker and, and I would call and, and, like, sing her to sleep. <laughs> We literally and and and, and we, we had this plotted for <laughs> good month. A good month, yes. And we talked about okay, you're like I'm gonna ring you and I'll say goodnight and then I'll just put the phone down on speaker and then you start either well, reading such, me a bedtime story well, or like we're absolutely useless because every night oh I'd be like God. Can we do it tonight? Oh no, it's eight thirty and I'm going to bed. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm wrecked. No, I can't. No, like Brandon's in a really bad mood, he's not gonna find this funny, blah blah blah. And then eventually when we got to do it. <laughs> I, no, I had to beg you. I was like, please, can we do it tonight? I was like, I am so, I am on form. I've got this tonight. I am ready to do it. And you were like, oh, I'm really tired. And Bran is not in the mood. And I said, just put your phone. He doesn't need to be in the mood. Put your phone on speaker and put it between the two of you. And I, and I will start talking. And let, let me tell you, let me tell you what Brandon heard through the phone. Well, first he could feel me in the bed beside him. Absolutely. And inc- like, I had turned my back to him because I knew I couldn't face him and I was trying to keep myself still but I was obviously laughing so the bed was going like rock, 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 rock because I was like (laughs) and then all you heard down the phone was (laughs) and it was like you were trying to stay quiet I couldn't even breathe I was trying to stay quiet so that he wouldn't get wind of what was about to happen (laughs) I was trying to say like good night (laughs) Rosemary She did not get a single syllable <laughs> out of that mouth. Like, not even went up not even the good minutes. of good night. The two ten was, minutes of just I was pure crying. silence. Like <laughs> <laughs> off as well. After about twenty seconds, turns around and is like, "What the f- is going on?" And I'm there like shaking. You're on the other end of the phone going. <laughs> Also shaking. I actually had like absolute killer stomach cramps. <laughs> oh my oh, god! You know we should try it amazing. again. Guarantee he'll have forgotten in about a month. We should do it again. So he's forgotten already. What should yeah, we? Should There's do no it again. way we're ever going to be able to do. Oh, it. I am. We can barely even talk it. about it now without laughing. Do it. We'll definitely do it. <laughs> oh, I will absolutely do it. I'll get myself into. I have decided it's mind over matter. That was something I decided. I think I mentioned this before. I was like, I'm going to get control of my emotions. They're only a figment of my imagination. I read about it again today. In Did you read John the same Connolly book twice book. by accident? No, thank you. In my John Connolly book, I'll find the page for you now in a minute, and it basically talks about... What does he say? Hold on. Hold on while I find this now. Hold on. She brought a book. Well, no, I was reading it here before you got here. Hold on. Whole new levels of research. Oh, here it is. Here it is. TG. Chapter 7. John Connolly. Internationally best-selling author, Irish, The Woman in the Woods. If you are distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your own estimate of it. And this you have the power to revoke at any time. That's basically it. That's like the ex-boyfriend who said to me, listen, you being upset has nothing to do with me. It's it's how you're reacting to my words. Well, 100% true. I mean, it's this your is literally reacting. after he just told me I looked horrendous. It's your reacting to his crap words, but like it is to do with him. But I mean, the fact that you're upset is not to do with him. The fact that he's a dick is to do with him, hmm. right? Anyway, what I was going to say, that you're with him, is to do with you. Listen, okay, I'm sorry I brought that up. Okay, what I was going to say was, I I definitely had a few bosses who had a certain 
expectation of like high level of telepathy. I was about to say, but no ability to communicate it, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. That, so they kind of go really hard, like explaining the why. I think that's something that yeah. people do really badly. Yeah. And I mean, me, including me, just to be clear. We've definitely mentioned it before on this podcast, haven't we though? But like, I, I really feel for people who suddenly find themselves in managerial positions with zero training yeah. on how to manage people or how to delegate or how to, I mean, how to even break something down because there is well, an art but really, to... But really there's no training for any job you go into. You know, you join and you've... you've the only training you've ever gotten is your training in college and your training on the job. And so that's why, like, very often people say you have to do the job before we'll promote you, which seems really unfair because you're then doing yeah, this yeah. heavy lift. But at the same time, if you can't prove to me you can do it, I can't necessarily trust to give you the job because you don't, yeah, may not yeah, know how on, to do on it, the right? basis of trust. Because there's no training for it, basically. So maybe I should actually figure out how to train you for the job and then I could give I it mean, to you. I mean, there definitely are enough. some jobs where there's training. I'm sure, well, like, yes. you I know. Mean, I'm talking about my own experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and mine too. Like, there are definitely jobs. I mean, like, I've done jobs as well where it's been like, your first three days will be training. But it's more like, like here's how you days, get into like, this I'm system. I'm talking about, yeah, exactly. You're taught how, you're taught how to use the processes. Yeah, you're taught yeah. how to use the yeah computer programs. I'm talking more about, like, how to go about the day-to-day of your job, right? It's different. yeah. God, jobs are hard. Jobs are hard, right? And also, like, it's hard that, I mean, if there were no people, jobs would be easy. Because, like, it's not actually the job itself that's usually hard. It's the negotiating and the collaborating with everybody around you. Like, I remember I I said this before. I said to dad, like, you know, you wouldn't understand dad. Like, creative people are just this. He's like, I work in computers and everybody's also nuts. Like, it's people. People are just really hard because you kind of assume that you're all there with the same agenda. But at the end of the day, you're not, right? Like, my agenda could be entirely personal to me you know well we could all be there with the same agenda but the same agenda might be to advance our own careers well that's well no i mean more like a unified agenda like you assume that you're there trying to do the best possible job you can for the company but in fact some people are just there to get you out of the way so they can get promoted i mean are a lot of people in companies now trying to do the best possible job for the company do you think um hopefully that's why i've always been crap at working for people is that why now tell me Rosemary, well that's on my inability to take criticism <laughs> and your inability to actually focus for eight hours maybe you are more like both than we think I can focus for eight hours right on they TV? can't all on be Love together Island. no no I can do like an hour and a half of work and then I need to take an hour and a half off and like I can work until 10 or 11 and I frequently do but I cannot now and I honestly think it's from being freelance I think it's, yeah, I think it's broken me 100% from being freelance because I'm like anybody could work until 10 or 11 except sadly they have kids they have like stuff to do that's in not between. really what I meant I meant like I've no problem with doing 8 hours of work in the stretch of a day I just can't do it all together oh right well, that's what I meant mm, probably shouldn't have said that okay so um, when you're interviewing Rosemary though I was wondering about this so somebody I know was interviewing recently and kept it extremely secret and it reminded me of a oh and I even mentioned the girl who lived with me like my oh, yeah. very good friend who didn't tell me she was interviewing, but that was just nuts. But I then remembered when I was in Paris, I was interviewing at DVF, right? Diamond Furstenberg. And uh, we told, I confided in one of my colleagues and I said, oh yeah, I'm going over and I'm to, to New York. And I was, and it was like, I mean, that was a hard one to hide. Did you, you just know? pretend you were going on a holiday? I think I took a Friday off and then I hoped nobody would see me in the airport. And I went from like a Thursday night till a Sunday night. Oh, grim. Yeah, because it was really hard to get, it was really hard to get time off. Like, mm. I mean, in hindsight, I feel like with any of these jobs, you just be like, hey, I need three days off, see you. You know, it's none of your business what I'm doing. But at the time, I was like super paranoid. I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't have, I mean, would they have put two and two together? Yes, if they'd seen me at the airport. But it's, but it's hard as well, because when you work with people, like nobody ever really goes, I'm going on holiday, full stop. You go, oh, where are you going? Who are you going with? Yeah. Like, how long are you going for? What are you going to do? Are you going to go to this restaurant? Like, 
we all chat and we're all close. I mean, ideally, we're close to people we work with. So it's really hard to suddenly be like, oh, I'm just off tomorrow. But also when you're in a job, like you get really bogged down or like attached to that job, you know, and it's hard to step back and kind of go, well, if I lose this job, not I mean, this sounds really privileged, but like before I had kids, before I was married, when it was just me by myself, I lose this job. I'll get another job. You know, it may not be as good of a job, but I'll get another job. I'm employable or I'll move home to my parents, you know. But you get super caught up in like, no, I can, nobody can know I'm interviewing. If if they find out I'm interviewing, they'll fire me. Like, they're not going to fire you. You know what I mean? They might think to themselves, I'm not going to promote her next March, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, and they might not get, bother giving you the raise yeah, they could have given you next week exactly, or whatever. But you yeah. get super tra- like wrapped up in this. like, And, and you know, the handing in your notice is always the worst possible. Like, I'm going to vomit. I'm so nervous, Oh, my God, horrific. But um, anyway, so I said to this girl that I was working with, I said, I'm, I'm actually, I'm I'm interviewing with them. I'm on Firstenberg. I'm going on Thursday and, and blah. And anyway, I can't remember what happened, but my interview got changed to like two weeks later. And I know I didn't see her again. Like, we were out having drinks when I told her this. And I didn't see her again. She was like, oh, wow, that's amazing, blah, blah, blah. I didn't see her again, but I still took the Friday off because I had it planned and I was like, Grant, you know, I'll go shopping or just take the day off and relax. And then I had to go to New York then the following like Friday week. And, you know, it's like it wasn't I hadn't booked the flight like they book it for oh, you. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't me kind of re, you know, booking yeah. flights and stuff. And anyway, I, I arrived at uh, DVF for my interview and I was sitting downstairs in the lobby with my portfolio waiting to go up and meet the HR team and all that kind of stuff. Who sashays through the lobby? The same girl that I had confided in that I was working with in Paris sashes through the lobby with her portfolio in hand. So she was interviewing as well and just hadn't said, yeah. oh, I'm interviewing yeah. too. Yeah. I was like, people are nuts. People are actually nuts. And then she got the job and we got the job too. Myself and Julie both got this, got this job at Diamond Furstenberg to set up the um, accessories to team. But Julie wasn't with me. I went over for this interview. We'd met with, with Diane in... Paris, in Paris when she made you sit on the floor exactly and mm. then we couldn't both take time off you know it was too like that was really hard as well because as a team we were really into this idea like there's so many male teams out there you know who are hired for and there were so few female teams and the funny mm. thing was everybody was always like you're obviously a couple you just don't want to be you know you don't want to be separated you're obviously like you're obviously a romantic couple we we're like no no we're just friends and we want to have we want to work together like we think we have a lot to offer as a duo kind of thing. And also if you're setting up an entire department from nothing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going you to need, need more than, more than one, one person, person yeah. anyway. You're going to need about eight people, but they're like, we'll do it too. They felt like this was a major investment, you know, instead of like in a normal company, you'd be like, well, we need we'll four people team. for this. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, and then we never really spoke to her again because it was just so bizarre. Like we had confided in her and she had taken the confidence and then never, like even in the intervening weeks and she didn't see me, was the thing. In oh. she sashayed by up the stairs, sashayed, and out. so you didn't say anything to her. I didn't say anything to her. Oh. I immediately called Julie. <laughs> but I was like, "What is the story? Like yeah. people are weird." I interviewed for a job in Dublin a couple of years ago, and I didn't get it. I mean, I was I was going to go. Why didn't I get? It? I mean, loads of reasons, I'm sure. But I was living with a girl at the time who had also applied for the same job and hadn't got an interview. And I remember when I got the interview, she was raging. And like the same way I would have been if she had got it and I hadn't. Do you know what I mean? Like she was <laughs> raging. Re- I love that word. No, she was. She was raging. And she That's was re- not a word they use here. Like when I say I am raging, it's like, oh my God, are you really? Oh my I'm God. Because like, I no. spoke to somebody today and they looked really blank at me. Yeah, I was like, what's yeah. wrong with them? I mean, I, they really think you're like actually raging. Oh. It's brilliant. Well, they just take everything very good. I say it in the office. I am raging over this. <laughs> but anyway, she and she basically kept saying to me, I just don't understand how you got it and I didn't, which is kind of insulting as well. Kind of. Like, 
okay, you can like calm down on that. So anyway, I went for my interview. And I remember when I came home, she was actually, it was as if she'd had this complete vault, what do they call it? Vault yeah, vault fast. Vault fast. Mm-hmm. Oh. Turnabout face, right? Oh, yeah, but I thought it was Italian, so it'd be volte, volte, volte face. Face. Volte face. I don't know how you pronounce <laughs> it, but it's face anyway at the end um, of the Anyway, she, she'd had a complete about turn and was like well really said. nice. And, <laughs> and well, was really nice, <laughs> but was better. asking me like, how did I think it went and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you were like, highly suspicious, I'm assuming. No, of course I wasn't. I was just like, oh, oh she's being really nice. And, you know, oh, she's she's kind of got over it and we're just chatting about it. And so what I told happened? her I told her everything. And I was like, oh, they asked me this and they asked me that. And she's like, I'm like, what do they ask about this and blah, blah. And then at the end of the conversation, I actually think this was on the bus on the way home from the interview. Because she texted me and said, call me when you finish and let me know how it went. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Cause, because we were friends as well. Yeah. And at the very end, she goes, um, I actually got contacted. I have an interview on Monday. And I was really annoyed because I would have told her everything oh. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I wouldn't have held it back and I would have happily helped her going like, like made the best woman win kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But I was so pissed off that Did she had to Did I want to get the job? No, we didn't. Thank oh. God I would yeah, have been yeah, yeah. Rage, raging, raging, actual red raging, mist. proper yeah. raging. Yeah. Yeah. My God, I would have been murderous. That's ridiculous. But you know, I wonder as well, like in hindsight, I now wonder if maybe she didn't tell me because maybe she was superstitious because that's something that I don't feel like superstition about jobs. But I also no, was Beatrice, nuts. I think people are, I think a lot of people, probably most people are more strategic about a lot of things in life, including jobs. But, but, uh, but I don't strategy. think we... I don't think that's strategic. I think that's like insecurity because I, I like to your point, made the best woman win. Like I don't feel... The need to, like, the, the, there's a there are many jobs out there. Like, that may be my dream job, right? But like, if you're going to get, it's like, it's like I'm not going to be super jealous if somebody leaves me. I mean, I'll be heartbroken potentially. But like, if he wants to leave me, he doesn't want to be with me. I don't need to keep him. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean. It's like, what is? I think this is really bizarre, and it makes me think about. Even today, I was talking with Don about. Um, I read a thing about internships, and it made me think about. You know, very often people are raging. Like, they go to um, an interview, and they're and they kind of say, here, let, you know, give us a look at your portfolio. And it's happened to me too. They then take your portfolio off into the photocopying room and they photocopy it. And there's this whole thing about six months after I interviewed with, you know, X brand, my jacket showed up on the runway and I'm like, well, you know, great then. You should take a picture of it and put it into your portfolio, right? If mm-hmm. you can actually genuinely have the sketch to say, yeah, I sketched this and I show, you know, I shared it and here's, they were obviously inspired by it. Or like if you literally only have the number of ideas in your portfolio, you're not going to be successful anyway. You know, I mean, I get that it's not nice, right? Like, it's yeah, very yeah. underhand. But at the end of the day, those ideas in your portfolio are dead ideas. Like, you're not going to get a job and then be asked to cart everything out of your portfolio and produce it. You know what I mean? You're going to be asked to start doing new things. Yeah. So, like, you might as well just consider those. Whereas we are all so precious, you know, when we leave college. We're like, these are, are my golden ideas. Yeah, I mean... That happens as well a lot in journalism, like when you pitch a piece to a magazine or a newspaper and then you'll suddenly see the piece a couple of weeks later and one of their staff writers will have done it. And like, it's it's totally wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's totally underhanded. But it happens all the time. It's really but infuriating. But you, you just like... I guarantee you, though, you've said this to me before, I guarantee you half the time they read it in your portfolio. Oh, forgot about it. And they entirely forgot about yeah. it. Like, because I mean, they see so many things and just like all of us read so many yeah. things. And I guarantee you, it's like an osmosal, it's not even a word, you know, adoption of your idea that then yeah. gets regurgitated yeah. later I'd on. They're say, probably yeah. patting themselves on the back yeah. for their Ten like, days later, they're thinking. like, I had the most incredible yeah. idea. Yeah, I, thought I went we to should. bed last night. I mean, we probably all do it. I don't do it. You probably do it. You're a writer. I'm sure I do. I mean, I'm telling you, I've given you a couple of ideas and you've come up to me later on and said I've had a great idea for an article. 
literally this is because you give me 50 article suggestions per week I do yeah I love the 49 fact that of which I, I ignore and then uh, inevitably one of them will pop up again a couple of weeks later I know, in my I brain. To, I actually love how like irate I am. I send you all these ideas and I'm like, I can't believe she didn't write any of these. These were great ideas. And then I said to you, should I write a book? Like, should I? And you sent me like 29 chapters and I was like, oh God, that's a lot. I literally <laughs> just closed the email. I was like, oh, that's that's a lot of pressure. It is. But I mean, it like it is really overwhelming sometimes when you're like, like sometimes I'll ask people, like, do you have any suggestions for what I should write for my Patreon? And it's usually like, like for my Patreon that was due two hours ago, right? So it was meant to go up. Oh, surprise, surprise. Oh my God, I'm, I'm excellent. Somebody will go, why don't you write, some, like you're very good for this actually, like why don't you write something about something very involved that will involve interviewing somebody, reading an entire book <laughs> and like watching a documentary. And I'm like, no, I want something that I can literally pull out of my bottom but at this very moment. But you're also useless. I mean, no offence, because I'll go, what about that thing you wrote the other day that you shared with me that I shared with my office? Like, cause, so since lockdown started, I started doing this thing that's I'm calling a daily update where I didn't do it all last week. I totally forgot about it, right? Because I just feel like it got to be too much. But every day I write like, here's a topic and it was kind of supposed to be a distraction for people at the beginning. Like, here's stuff you could do. Here's resources online. And then as this became not so much of a like, hey, you know, this is a novelty and we're about to emerge yeah, the other yeah. side. It was more like, this is our know, life now. Yeah, this is our life. And here's some distraction from all the crap. Yeah. And I even, even everybody has, has guested on it. Liam, our editor, has guested on it. My dad has done a guest spot writing about his job. Mom has as well, hasn't he? Mom wrote one about Pavarotti, which we could actually share. The review was brilliant. Oh my God. She wrote a, a review of Pavarotti, the film that she went to see multiple times in the cinema. Like literally, she hates the cinema. This is the only film she's. This is the only film she's ever, I'd say, seen and enjoyed seeing. Oh no, no, no! She enjoyed seeing that thing of a silent thread with um, Daniel Day Lewis. What's it called? Oh, Phantom Thread, a silent <laughs> thread. You know what else she enjoyed? Uh, the chorus. Oh God, that was brilliant though, those that French, French movie. Little, and she French also, characters. they were brilliant. And she also enjoyed, was it, what was the one with Emma, Emma Thompson? Sense and Sensibility. No, the one after that. There was another one with Hugh Grant where he was like, not the good guy, where he was a creep. Was it Persuasion? Did I just make that up? If it was, I haven't seen it. I don't know. You definitely have. Anyway, and she went, oh well, she loved um, Pride and Prejudice as well with Hugh Darcy. And when, when he went, when he... Not whatever his name is, Hugh Darcy's not even his name. You keep talking about man. this like we saw this in the cinema. This was the BBC series oh. that we watched at home. Well, when what he hops was out the of one? the lake. Well, then what was the <laughs> what was the one that we watched in the cinema where all the women, like the middle aged women, were giggling and mom was like turned around to me with like a raised eyebrow and then when she was like, Oh, he's so handsome. <laughs> no oh, she's got anyway. Sorry, in honor of our mother, and we have, I mean. Seriously, there has to be an episode soon where we don't talk about mom. I think you're just obsessed with mom. I'm absolutely obsessed with her, my my twin. In honour of mom and her Pavarotti obsession, I thought I'd read out the review that she wrote for Beatrice's <laughs> Daily Update. So I usually write the reviews and they're in the format of So You Haven't Seen. Even before The Guardian did that, we were doing it. The Guardian started a So You Haven't Seen movies thing during lockdown. Oh, did they? Yes. And then I was like, oh my God, we should be on The Guardian, but we're not. Oh, no, we're not. So You Haven't Seen Pavarotti. The opening scene of this movie shows the quote-unquote larger-than-life character in brackets in more ways than one, trying to convince us that opera should be made available to the general masses and not simply for the elite. A lot of archive footage is used in the making of this film, along with excerpts from several operas and concerts. And the crowds go wild! <laughs> there's, Peter, stop laughing. There, there's little insight into his private life other than the amount of food he consumes. <laughs> he loves cooking, Italian food of course. We're brought to Modena, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. 
the place of his birth where he meet his parents, he is an only child, and see the venues where he started out. In his younger days, he and his dad sang every week at the church service. So cute. To spend two hours listening to perhaps the best tenor in the world was sheer bliss. Two hours, say she spent about ten at this stage. This was definitely one of the most enjoyable afternoons I ever spent. And I went again the following week. <laughs> if you like nice music, this is a quote-unquote must-see. And then you have to go down to the star, the asterisk. The asterisk says... Today's guest contributor is my mother, Claire McCabe, who wrote this review unwillingly, must be noted. <laughs> quote, unquote, this is worse than being back at school. I asked for a chicken recipe too. Apparently Pavarotti eats two at a sitting, but was denied. You'll have to make do with ice cream. So sorry, after that job interview related segue. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point was, so since this, I've been doing these, oh yeah, daily updates. And then Rosemary will text me, oh my God, need peace for Patreon. And I go, what about the entire daily update that you wrote? And you're like, oh no, it's not. And I go, it's totally perfect. And like you have a movie review and you have this. Oh yeah, I suppose I could do that. So you actually do an awful lot of writing that you disregard as being useful. Like I don't understand it. Yeah, I think it's because if I'm writing for your daily update, I very much have a different audience in mind, which is like your colleagues and also an American audience. And you know what I mean? So it just feels like a different, feels like writing completely, it feels uh, like no, something completely well, different. I think you're in, that's in your head because they don't understand half of what you write. Yeah, that's so, my truth, Beatrice, in my head. Oh my God. So Rosemary, tell me about any jobs that you've taken. Any So any job interviews you didn't get, that one that you just mentioned there. Oh yeah, that one. I mean, I think from the ages of about... 16 to 28, I was excellent at job interviews. Got every single job interview I ever went for. I went for a job interview for a supermarket in Ireland that I was about to name, but won't for reasons that will become apparent in a moment. And I got the job. And I remember then they called me in for, I think they were calling it an induction. And I had previously worked in like... Sounds like Scientology, honestly. <laughs> I'd previously worked in Spar and I'd previously worked in the golf club. And I thought the induction would just be a bit like, here's your name tag and here's this and here's that. So I had plans for the rest of the night. So I was like, I'm going to go for my induction for 20 minutes and then I'm going to go off and watch. I can't. Probably like Mother play, could hear this now. Probably like play Grand Theft Auto with my mates in the apartment next door. Because I fancied all of them, obviously. Oh my God. Of course God. I did. Anyway, so I went down for the induction and it was three hours right and it's we not s- actually that long okay well you did just say a minute ago you, do, you can't do more than an hour and a half like consecutively of anything no it's true mm-hmm. except for watching Lord of the Rings exactly but so it was in this office and it was three hours but like look aside from it being three hours I just feel like they should have said come down for the induction from six until nine you know what I mean as in no in I a don't bit more. like six p.m. yeah like I don't really get the big deal here Oh my God, I had plans, Beatrice. I was a college student. Anyways, so listen, I went down for the induction. Was this a part-time job now or a full-time job? Part-time. Oh, okay, that's been Went nice. down for the induction, sat down, started talking about all the different rules and how every time you went in and out of the building, you'd have to have your bag searched. And every time you went in and out of the toilet, you'd have to have your bag searched. And every time, and there was a big emphasis on your bag could be searched at any point, your locker could be searched at any point, your this could be searched at any point. So this, in combination with the fact that I wanted to go and play Grand Theft Auto, I was just like, this is not the job Were you for afraid me. they were going to take your Diet Cokes and your French plats, your, your pecan, <laughs> plats, pecan plats, yeah, out of your bag? If oh they saw many you had imagine, the bottom of it. Imagine the embarrassment. What were you thinking was going to be in your bag that was going to be so bad? No, no, I wasn't thinking anything. I was actually just thinking, I just don't think this sounds like a nice place to work. I was like, this just sounds awful. Like, just, I think, because I'd never worked anywhere where... Everyone hadn't been mates, if you know what I mean. Everyone hadn't been really nice. This was obviously, it was a big supermarket, you yeah, know what I mean? It was yeah. a big place. And I know now, like, that I'm a bit older. I mean, I was probably 20, 20 Yeah, I was at the say, time. a bit older, okay. Yeah, a good bit older. You know, I realised this is how these things work. But at the time, I was like, this just sounds awful and really, like, 
you know, it does rude sound, and, I have to say, it does sound kind of awful. Like going to the toilet, you have to have your bags or are you making that up? No, 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 no. That's a bit nuts. If, if you brought a bag with you anywhere, oh, okay, like to the toilet, out the door, what about your to tampons? lunch? Like not to get too personal. Listen, not well, without I my tampons. I suppose they could go in a pocket. <laughs> so they could be in my hand. I suppose that's never good. Well, I put them down my brow all the time. I actually... And then I forget they're there and they're really uncomfortable when, when I, I discover them later in, on that evening. When I worked in Stay City last year, I tried to make a point of just carrying them in my hand the same way I'd carry my phone. And if they were visible, they were visible. Because I was just suddenly going, they're fucking periods. Like, it's not a big deal. If somebody sees that I'm bringing a tampon to the toilet, I actually don't care. I mean, I do care. I'm horrified. No, no, I just read a thing. But I also I was just, just read like, a review. I just read a thing today about like TV shows you should watch. And I was thinking we should watch these. And it's that one. Is it not? No, Call Me By Your Name is that other Italian movie. There are two TV shows. One has Billy Piper and one is, um, I can't remember. But basically they talk about how in these shows, like casually, one of the girls puts like a panty liner into her, you know, underwear. Or they talk about periods or there's like tampons visible. And I was, yeah. and, and they were like, this is not weird, yeah, you know, but yeah. it's weird to see it on TV at the same time. Like it's it's weird to have it normalized because we, d- and, we pretend that this doesn't happen and yet it's such yeah. a massive pain just like the Tampax ad in Ireland like yeah. super sexy I don't know a single person who's like god my period is so sexy so sexy yeah I feel super sexy but, about my period yeah like the only time you ever see periods mentioned on TV and film is when it's a plot device when it's like something really calamitous and embarrassing has happened or she's so got her period in bed with someone things or have to me but like they're never <laughs> plot devices it's always just a disaster and I have to change my clothes <laughs> alright so, so no I'm, thinking, I'm sorry I'm, oh, I'm, I thought you were finished I'm, no I'm telling you so oh, I then said to you I then put <laughs> my hand up Jesus Christ I was, I was in this supermarket was there a tampon in this hand no oh, I was in the supermarket <laughs> I was being told my bag was going to be searched I, my my grand theft auto time was ticking yeah, away yeah. and I put my hand the up and I said the were burning a hole in the bag put my hand up can you just pipe down for 10 minutes while they I finish this story piping hot <laughs> I wish I could turn your mic off if only I had that power so anyway I put my hand up and I said listen I was like I'm I'm really sorry I've now got to have to be. fuck off. I did said, you say that? No wonder no, you didn't get the I'm job. Saying that to you. Oh. I had already got the job at this point. Oh, you did. I, I, oh. I already got the job. This was the induction oh, this for was the job. In, induction is that the right word? Yes. It sounds like this was like you were. It sounds yes. like you're about to be vacuum packed into something and put on a sh- on a shelf. It is the induction. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Anyway, it just sounds extremely sorry, ominous. If I could vacuum pack I'm your sorry. mouth right now, <laughs> just stop talking for three minutes, right? I not even ten. Three. I put up my hand. I said. I'm really sorry to have wasted your time, but I really don't think that this is going to be a good fit for me. I don't think this is going to be for me. And your one in front of a room of about 12 like new hires went, could you explain to me why? Dead right, Rosemary. You put your hand up in front of the room of 12. But I also felt like on a jury of your peers. Why. A jury of your peers. That's why. What I actually said I'd was, like everybody to note that Rosemary just gave me a very sassy finger. That's why. That's What why. I actually said was, I just don't think it would be a good fit. And she was like, why not? And I was like, I, I just don't think it would be good. Can and I ask you I a question? Like, do you think she did say that? Or play Grand You're obsessed with this. Do you think she did say, why not? Or do you think she said, why not? In a kind of friendly, No, I think she was really way. pissed off. I hate that word maternal. I No, no, I think she was like, she, I think she was pissed off at being interrupted because she was probably like, she didn't want to be there on the Wednesday night, six to nine, doing this Fair induction. Enough. She had she had places to go and she had thefts to, to auto. To do, yeah, to auto. Oh, I'm horrified. Then, I'm horrified. Go ahead. But... <sighs> But then I got a great job in a in a record store and I felt like I was living my best Empire Records life. My friend Linda, other second friend, who will be mentioned. How on dare this you podcast, bring this up? My friend Linda met her husband 
in Tower Records in the square. Do you remember? It wasn't Tower Records. It was HMV. Oh, your was friend it? Linda met it was her. Tower Records. No, it was HMV, Beatrice. It wasn't Tower Records in the square. Oh, oh yeah, your right. You're right. <laughs> your friend Linda met her husband in the same HMV. <gasps> you're right. Where the girl worked with whom my ex-boyfriend had an affair. No, she didn't cheat. He cheated. He cheated. He cheated on me with her. He cheat. He didn't want to cheat. She made him cheat. It was, listen, there's nothing to do with her, but I'm just saying. <laughs> he was cheating on me with someone who worked in HMV. Yeah, and Linda knew it. Linda knew it all did, along. Did never told me. Yes, apparently. Oh my God, sorry, Linda. I didn't know you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> did she really? I think afterwards, Linda, Linda said she bent. thought she thought she knew something was going on. Or I am horrible. Well, Linda, Linda wasn't interested. Linda was only interested in matrimonial um, potential, and she knew. That this boyfriend of yours was obviously not a matrimonial prospect. So she just didn't, you know, she was doing you a favour. A matrimonial prospect. Correct. Doing you a favour. Little did she know it would take you 22 more years to find somebody willing to. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So, Rosemary, I was wondering. That was the meanest thing you have ever said to me on this podcast. No, it wasn't. On this podcast, it, was. it wasn't. It's pretty mean. No, it was a joke. And you knew it was a joke. You laughed. You laughed. Audience, she laughed so much and then she pretended not to laugh. She laughed so much and then Liam edited it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that reminds me though, when I lived in Milan, I would like to, I was horrified by your lack of... Can you of, put that pencil down? Oh yeah, sorry. Don't I was like horrified that. by your lack of professionalism there until I remembered when I was in Milan, I got a job at oh. Max Mara. Oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, Mom I, was I, horrified. Yes, because mother was sending me 50 euro a week, right, to live on. Those were the days you could I know, live on 50 euro a week. It was fab, it was fab. I mean, I was not rich, readers. Right. You were not rich. No, <laughs> I was not rich. I had this 50 euro that mom and dad were sending me. And I think that's it. Like, I mean, it was, I was working in a pub and I, mean, I got listen, this job. 50 euro in 1982 is worth about three grand now. I feel, no. 1982? <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> you absolute yes. weapon. It took me a second. Um, it was like you were trying to work and I'm like, no, it wouldn't sake. be that much. No, I was actually calculating how much it would have been worth. It's probably worth about 75 euro now. But anyway, it's probably about 100 now. Not even Rosemary. no, but I mean, if you think about the price of things, everything's. Gone but I think about how much up. salaries still are over there, like in Italy, oh, in Italy they're still yeah, pretty yeah, low. Fair. Anyway, so fifty euro, and I got this. So I went to know. I was like feeling very much like I better go and get a job so that mom and dad don't have to send me money anymore, or I could secretly Quite not right. tell them. Well, I could secretly not tell them and, and pocket all the cash. No, I obviously told her. I told her. So I oh, got yeah, this. I went. Away. I went to a Max Mara store shop, and I and I got a job as like a. Shop assistant, I right? I can't believe you got a job in Max Mara. I know, I can't either. I can't either, honestly. And I had my mohawk hair at the time and I had my lip ring, mean? right? And I arrived along the first day and I'd been out with my friends. Oh, the, I had friends who'd stayed, college friends had come to visit the night before and we had all gone out and gotten absolutely pie-eyed. Oh, We've been up till about 5am. Sorry, Beatrice. Yeah. I feel like for the sake of our listeners... You must clarify what you mean by mohawk hair. Oh, I had like a very small mo- mohawk. Did you have the sides shaved though? Yeah. With the sides. Oh, I always yeah. thought you just pinned it up. No, I had the sides shaved and I had like a long bit on top. I have a picture oh. somewhere. I'll find it. I mean, it was cute. It was cute moho, but it wasn't very Max Mara-esque, I'd have to admit. Anyway, and I went in the first day and I was so dying and hungover and I had to go into the storage closet about oh 900 times. I'm just sure they were like, like, this one was Well, there been... was nothing to do the entire day. There were like two people came in. And then, which I had never anticipated, even though I'd lived in Milan now at this point for about a year. And then, like, at 12.30, they kick you out and they're like, come back at 3.30 when we reopen because they have this massive oh, lunch hour. Yeah, yeah. So I was basically wandering around this park, hung over to bits, 
Like I got my lunch, I sat down, I ate it, I wanted to sleep, but there's nowhere to sleep. I had to wait three hours. I was like death warmed up by the time I got back to the shop. <laughs> and then I had to like fold a couple of cashmere jackets, you know, smile at the and one. You're, you're not a great folder. I'm actually not. Well, I'm, I'm, no. I mean, I'm, whatever. Anyway, and like literally there were only two customers who came in during the whole day. And of course, there were already three shop assistants. Yeah, yeah. And so like, and they I were all went, probably way better than you yeah, and you were all oh, over. I don't know if they were better, but of course they were, they were better, better and they could speak Italian. And the minute like this, these people came in, they all would like make a beeline for them and then throw daggers to me. So I just went back out of the storage closet and looked like, you know, took a, leaned on some scaffolding and wanted to take a nap. And then at the end of the day, your woman goes to me, she goes, could I speak to Beatrice? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I was like, this was, the, I mean, I'm not even joking. I still remember that all these years later as being the absolute longest day of my life ever. Even now, it's like if a day is long, I just think it's not as long as that day. And <laughs> she goes, well, she goes, um, unfortunately, she goes, this um, lip ring that you have in is not going to, you know, it's not really within our brand standards children's running cross it's not really within our brand standards and um, I'm going to have to ask you to take it out before you come back tomorrow and I was like thank God and I said oh well I said I really I wouldn't be able to take it out that just goes against everything I stand for so I'm just not going to be able to come back tomorrow thanks a million though for the opportunity and I left and I was so relieved I mean in Italian I'm sure it was more like thank you but cannot (laughs) goodbye right (laughs) (laughs) this goes against everything I believe in thank you no to everything anyway so I left it's just like it's a very advanced sentence no, and I called mom and she was raging oh she actually was raging so raging. horrified she, she was raging I actually remember her getting off the phone and being like can you believe she was like I can't can you believe what your Beatrice is just like, I mean oh obviously God, I didn't amazing. tell mom I was hungover right so this is probably going to be sorry mom mom I'm, I'm extremely sorry because I I wasn't trying to take money from you but I appreciate you mom and dad did I ever tell you about the time that mom and dad sent me like 300 euro for a trip to Ackle with college? Was it for really nice jeans? Probably. No, it was to go to Ackle oh, that must have been on nice. a college trip. I think it was with my English class or something. And I didn't go and just spent the money. Are you joking? Such a brat. Got all the treats and was the absolute brat. It wasn't Ackle. It was the Aran Islands. And I've still never been to a single Aran Island. <sighs> Actually horrifying. Do they know about this? They do now. Unbelievable. I just thought that it'd help you, that it'd take the shine it off your hangover. It doesn't, it's actually disgusting. It's just you're a disgusting person sometimes. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had a question for you. The dog's though. puking. What? The dog's puking. So I did wonder, Rosemary, of all the jobs you've had, like, are there any jobs that you took, you know, that you got the job, you got the interview, but you maybe had a foreboding premonition, you know, during the interview and then that turned out to not be like, as in, you know, that you like very often I think we go and we don't remember that we're interviewing the company as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? That we go and we like once they say, yeah, we'll hire you. We're like, thank God, brilliant. Yeah, hire yeah. me. Any job that you took that then you were like, this was a bad fit and I hated it. You know what? Well, just I'll, I'll I'll answer that but I remember you saying that to me a couple of years ago before I went for an interview and saying don't forget you're interviewing them too like it might not be a good fit and I think a lot of the time I used to approach interviews basically the way I approach dating like I hope they like me not well, I, I hope think, I like I them I did think or, that earlier on when you said I've never not gotten a job and I was like you're very proud of this the same way I've never not gotten a second date 
I know I thought God, it was funny. true yeah, because yeah, I, I really like try so hard to be liked. Yeah, I in, think on like that, you really like value that one moment you, in life. No, you really value like that other people like me. like you. And yeah, I'm like it's yeah. nice to be liked, but also like who cares if they're knobs? My you know? my therapist spent a lot of time telling me I was I was putting too much focus Look on at that. Me, Look I'm at free. you, free, free. Well, not really. Actually, I came over here and brought you a bottle of Grand Marnier. Oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna Venmo you after this. Um, I mean, there were definitely some jobs that I had that. In hindsight, I hate it. But uh, like a few of them were more because, say, like I worked in BT Kids when BT Kids was a thing. And I just hated it because people would come in with their precious angels and buy them Ralph Lauren jackets. Yeah, but so, I like, mean like culturally, like where they're, yeah, you know, no, no, I know really so toxic bosses. I think so, we had one or w- two. When I worked in Urban Outfitters, for example, I did the interview there. And I remember a couple of weeks after I started, I was in the office getting something. There were, you know, like, like go to the office and get XYZ. And I saw my own file. And it was open, oh. like from my interview, and it said something like, uh, "Great outfit, very urban, like very <laughs> urban outfitters, very U R B apostrophe N." Jesus! And I remember I was wearing bright blue. Do you remember those bright blue boxing boots I had that were like knee high oh, lace up the leg? My God! Yes, I wore them to the interview with like a mini skirt. I had forgotten you and had a, them. Some kind of band t shirt. And like, a, you know, a cool, a cool, quote unquote, clip in my hair. But I remember every morning in Urban Outfitters, they would single. So you so you'd have a team meeting every morning, mm-hmm. you know, talking about here are our targets for the day. And we, we really want to focus on selling these jeans no one wants. So like if you can sell three pairs of those, you'll get an extra hour off or whatever. And uh, they would pick someone out every single morning and say, you look great today, Beatrice. Just one person. And it was always such a weird competition to be like, will it be me today? Like, I'm going to really make an effort. And you'd be so annoyed if you made a, like, a really big effort. And then it'd be, it was always this Swedish one <laughs> who used to basically wear like men's Levi's jeans with flat, pointy black leather shoes. It was like very cool at the time. It was You're just very, very bitter. effortless. You're oh my God, very was so bitter. bitter. She was really, really nice though. But it was always her. Well, maybe you should have invited and you. That was, stru- if you were strategic now, you would have struck up a friendship with her, had her come over, style you. I did not. I was. I was wearing my kiss T-shirt and my. I used to have this mini skirt that was made out of different patches of like basketball jerseys. What? Yeah, I bought did it. I, ever in, see I bought this? it in Urban Outfitters. I'm sure you did. Bought it in Urban Outfitters. It was very cool at the time. I'm, I think. Oh, I thought. I had at this the time. really nice leather skirt once that that was Mom's, and I prided myself on fitting into it because Mom was tiny. When I like lost loads of weight when I was about. Where is it now? 16. Well, the funny thing is, though, I like I put it on mom kept now. I don't riddle me this now. Mom and dad kept it. Right. But it was missing a big square out of the front of it because dad had cut it to be like a chamois for one of his cars. So like I put it on. I was always like just willing the leather to grow back on the front so that it could just be a full on leather skirt. Why was it still around the house? That's actually so dad. dad right. Cut a segment yeah. out of it to clean yeah. his car. There was like a, a full-on three inches square, like nine centimetres just missing there's, out of the front of it. There's a lot of things in that house missing a bit though because dad used it for something else. Oh, poor dad. He's great. Well, no, because I, mean, I was thinking about a job that I had where I, I went for the interviews and I have to say like every alarm bell went off in my head. Now, no, nothing you could put your finger on. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I was like, this place seems weird. They're not super friendly. It's all very pristine. It's all very... Um, everything's like super white, white carpets and they all seem very up themselves, you know? But when I interviewed with them, they were like very, it was a great interview, but I didn't really like them. I didn't feel very relaxed around them. You know, I didn't feel like this was a great natural conversation. Like it felt very stilted. And I remember at one point I said, well, I had just had a baby and they were like, oh, well, that's so important for us. It is so important for us that, you know, you have a good work-life balance and working here, we will prioritize that for you. And that was probably the worst job I ever had in terms of, I had a brand new baby. I was working 
literally until 3 or 4 a.m. I would get taxis home at 3 or 4 a.m. Well, the I mean, and more fool me. For. Yeah, like okay. more fool me, you know, that I didn't just say I have to go home. But like I was the team lead. So I feel like I felt the onus. I mean, probably everybody else was like, when is Beatrice going to let us go home? Because like I was the person driving it, you know, mm. but, but the workload, the expectations and the resources were not aligned, you know. And yeah. when I would bring that up, be like, no, we just, you know, the previous team did it with half but you know half the resources you have and in that first year of being like a new mom I was in China for six full oh, months I remember like I was three weeks on year. three weeks off so for I was literally in China for six months of my baby's first year and I mean he's fine right I mean he has his problems no no I mean he's fine <laughs> he's fine he's fine like I felt such massive guilt yeah. you know I mean he's a baby like he had his dad and his dad luckily, luckily Don was at home with him minding him but like it was so hard on Don it was so yeah. hard on the baby it was so because like we didn't have any other friends who had kids we didn't yeah, have any like family any around. family there yeah. yeah and it's also the like the two of you it was your first and it was only our first baby. baby well I wasn't yeah, going to specify so that it would be harder to decide which job it was but okay oh sorry that's fine but I'm pretty sure you've already mentioned the job at which you spent six months in China well it's in fine your anyway. career episode. I mean it's fine anyway. I mean, like it's, it's not like I'm actually bad mouthing anybody because it's true you yeah. know and it was just but the fact that this was the job where, and I mean, I remember actually um, at the holidays, they were like, oh, you're going to need to go to China for six weeks. And I said, like, I cannot go for six weeks. And I thought I was, what's the word? I thought I was pull, calling their bluff, pulling their bluff. Like, what is wrong with me? Jesus. <laughs> there seems to be one in every episode where I say something that sounds incredibly bad. Anyway. I thought I was calling their bluff and I said, well, I mean, I can't go to China for six weeks unless you send my son and my husband with me too. And they were like, no problem, done. And then I had to go home and say to Don, eh, Don you're going to China for six yeah, weeks. Let's, let's and then we had to find somebody to mind the dog. It was an absolute oh, nightmare, yeah, like more yeah. fool me. But and I then really he was also stuck was in a hotel being, room with a baby for six weeks. He was weeks. stuck in a hotel in like Dongguan, China with nothing to do. We had no permits to get in and out of Hong Kong, you know, and we had a tiny baby, like literally it was a nightmare. And he just was every morning he would wake up and go, well, have a good day. I'll just go downstairs and eat another croissant, like look at the baby and like be admired by the waitstaff. See you later. You know, and I was like, ha, ha, ha. it was absolutely a nightmare. You probably weren't. You probably like, fuck you. No, I was I not. wish I wasn't here too. Rosemary, I'm extremely reasonable. Don and I have an extremely Your nostrils are flaring at Don an astonishing. Don and I have a really mature reasonable. relationship. And every time extremely. we, whenever we disagree, we talk it out calmly. <laughs> This morning he was making like poached eggs at my request. And at one point he goes, um, what did he say? He said something like, uh, he said something like that sounded snappy. And I was like, oh, thanks a lot for that tone of voice. I mean, I'm literally like, yeah, no. Was he loving the eggs as he was poaching them? Oh my God. They were perfect. He made seven poached (laughs) eggs in about the space of about a minute and a half. Don is an excellent chef. And I remember one day Beatrice asked him. aggravating. So annoying. Beatrice asked him like, you know, what what am I doing wrong? And he gave her this whole lecture about no, no, how you have to love the eggs. It's not that difficult. You've got to love the eggs. You've got to love the eggs. you got to share your love with the eggs. It's like, easy to love eggs when you're a vegetarian. I think he's no joking choice. as well, but like they still taste amazing. I, I think know. he's trying to wind me up. I think he is really trying works, to wind you yeah. up, but it's still perfect. So annoying. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, all that to say, did you have anything like that where you disregarded your gut instinct? And like the experience no, might have been good. I you honestly, did. You did. Your experience might have been good, but the culture was toxic. I've definitely worked in toxic workplaces, but you know what? I don't think I have those kind of instincts. I literally go oh. into an interview and I'm like, love me, love me. Like, I'm like an, I'm like an idiot dog. I'm like, 
Like, love me, be my best friend. Do you like me? Do you like me? Yeah, I think they like me. I think they like me. Give me that pen. I could be my chew toy. Yeah, and then I wait for a week to hear, oh, did they like me? Did they like me? Is my phone ringing? Did they like me? Oh, you like me. He really, really likes me. Like, oh my God, you're Sally Field. Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> Sally Field, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Yes. Absolute dough. I'm Irish. 32 words for Field. Mangon, Mangon. What's his name? I what? don't know what his name is. What's his name? The guy who just wrote that book about 32 words for field in Irish. Oh, uh, Mangon Magan, isn't That's it? That's what I just said. You said Mangon Magan. I said Mangon Magan. very similar. <laughs> I googled it yesterday to see if I could buy it at Barnes & Noble, but it doesn't seem to be available. I thought it'd be really interesting to buy. So no, it's actually very interesting, 32 words for a field. Says a lot about you now. Oh. Have you interviewed many people? Yes, I've interviewed lots of people. What's the most bonkers thing you've heard in an interview or like, what's it like from the other side? Because obviously every time I've done an interview, I'm, I'm literally going like trying to be on my best behavior and like come up with the best answers. Are people ever brutally honest when you ask for, you know, what thing do you think you would find hard about this role? Do they ever go, well, like I'm really disorganized? No, not at all. Not at all. I think it's really hard to judge. I, I think interviews, like there has to be something beyond an interview. Like what's next mm. beyond the interview? Because like literally you can't tell. You know, yeah. A friend of mine who shall remain unnamed, but let's just call her uh, Melon. Fre- my friend Melon. <laughs> we'll Tell told us one day that she was in Topshop and she was buying something and, and the girl said something to her like, when are you due? And she was like, I was so offended. I was like, I'm not pregnant. And then like approximately two months later, I brought it up again and she was like, oh yeah, well maybe it was because I was buying that maternity top. Well, my friend, let's call her Lemon. And I were in H&M and we were at the back of the line, back of the queue. And your one like literally goes, she goes, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. If you're pregnant, you can skip the queue. She wasn't talking to me now, unfortunately. She was talking to my friend and my friend was like raging, right? She said, come on up, come on up. Now she was wearing a very tenty top, right? But but like, but this was like the two of us were constantly being accused of being pregnant. One time we were out having drinks, like we were about four bottles deep. <laughs> <laughs> these women at the table beside us started going like why are you two drinking wine are you like how far along are you and we were like what the fuck we are wearing extremely fashionable tent dresses anyway moomoo's were very in for a while and i think we probably were so but whatever like at the time but whatever anyway and then afterwards when we left she was like god she's like i don't even know i was so annoyed i should have just been delighted to get to the top of the line right yeah I was yeah. just thinking that I was like, I hope yeah. you took advantage of that and then gave out to your one. Oh, we did. No, we didn't give out to your one, but like we paid and left like super Did you go to the top of the line then? Yeah, then? we did. Oh, good. Okay, okay. We had to because like it would have been an even bigger deal to be like, I'm not pregnant. It would have been like super embarrassing for everybody. Anyway, back to the thing where you said like when you interview people, the only thing I can think is when you interview people, if you think they're remotely weird or you have any qualms yeah, or whatsoever, like even if you can't put your finger on what they are, believe them because yeah. I've never actually had a qualm that has not come to, to bite me in the ass yeah, yeah. genuinely like I'm, I'm thinking now even of my most recent hires like there were a couple there was one woman who came to interview this was now a couple of years ago and she came to interview and she talked a lot about like her skill and her talent and like she seemed great but there was something off about her and not to be super shallow, but she was wearing a really strange crochet jumper, right? And I was like, that's kind of a weird jumper. Think she crocheted herself? No, definitely not. But she talked a lot about like how she was top of this and top of that. And, top of and I was like, oh. And afterwards we had a lot of debate around, is she the right person? She seemed a bit, you know, arrogant. She seemed a bit this. But when she joined, anyway, we hired her. I ignored all that. And we, we hired her. And literally I had a phone call from one of the people who was working for her. Hey, are you sure this is the right person? I'm like, um, 
Yeah, I hope so. And I mean, luckily, I mean, I, I think most people feel they can talk to me, you know, so it mm-hmm. wasn't like they all were suffering in silence by any stretch of the imagination. And like rightly so, right? But they're like, um, we're not sure she can really do the job. She needed us to come into her office today to turn on her computer to boot it up for her, to show her how a mouse worked and to click on a folder so she could actually understand how to get onto the internet. And I was like, hmm, that's a bit alarming. Then this same person was like, I don't actually draw myself. So like we work in designer. I don't mm-hmm. actually draw myself. My team draws, right? But I don't usually give them direction myself. My assistant does, right? And in fact, I don't usually get inspiration from books. My husband is my main source of inspiration. He's an artist. So I, I never mentioned in my old job, he was employed as well. So the two of us were like a team. And I basically interpreted the art that he created. And I was like, how did I miss all of this in an interview? Like how interpreted did I miss- it, whispered it into the ear of her assistant. No, you bas- then- yeah, basically took it from him, handed it over to the assistant, told the assistant what she would like to happen with this art. And I was like, how did I manage to miss this? So, I mean, some of it you can't help, right? Like there are like multiple people involved in rounds of interviewing. And yeah, like, yeah. It, you know, most interviews have like certainly in my job, like three or four interviews and a project, right? So you would think that at least the project would show. But actually, I'd have to say maybe a project is the way to go because I think when I've done projects, that has weeded out. Whereas with this person, I didn't do a project. And I think very often the amount of effort somebody puts into a project shows you, A, like how invested they are in this mm-hmm, role mm-hmm. or B how and talented what, they yeah, are yeah what they're capable yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah how talented they are by themselves because so many people are good at like directing but I mean and it depends what you want them to do as well right because like if you want somebody to actually be the manager of everybody you don't necessarily want them you to, don't need them to be an incredible but you do need them to understand it right at the same time like yeah, how yeah, can yeah, you course, rise to course. the ranks of manager if you've never done all those jobs yeah like, yeah I you need to I know did, other um, people's roles yeah I did an interview for Kate Spade, right? I don't think it's bad to say that. I did an interview for Kate Spade. And when I went, they sent me off to do a project. And I did like a massive in-depth project. But the parameters were like reimagine Kate Spade. Think about entirely, totally different direction we could go in, right? So yeah. I went home and I was like, it's hard, It's easy enough to imagine what Kate Spade could be tomorrow as it is, right? Like, yeah, yeah. As it was, this would have been like 10 years ago. But to kind of totally reimagine it was a bit like, I don't really know. You know, in hindsight, I think I should have said like, tell me what you mean like who, who's yeah, your yeah. customer target you know but I was like okay well you could do this or you could do that and then I went back and they brought me in to meet the president and they're like oh she's going to present her project and the president was like this doesn't look like our brand this mm-hmm. doesn't look anything like our brand and I was like it was really embarrassing because I was with the person who'd given me the project and I was like and she didn't say a thing like I gave her this direction or I told her to do something entirely different yeah. you know she kind of sat there super silent when your woman was like this doesn't look on brand for us and I was like that wasn't the scope of the project you know so it kind of made me think like when you get a project to make sure that you're fully I think it was a really bad project in hindsight but like to make sure that you're really clear on what they're actually asking yeah yeah like, that your goals are aligned yeah. you know um, when Topshop opened their flagship shop on Stephen's Green I went and interviewed for it was the first time they'd brought in personal stylists yeah, in Ireland I and I went and interviewed for a personal stylist. I think I was, was I doing a bit of expose at the time and I was, I was styling some shoots and stuff yeah. and I'd done some kind of... It sounded like a cool job, right? Yeah, it did sound like a really cool job. But the interview was like really, like it was really involved as in there was like a one-on-one interview or like a two-on-one, you know what I mean? There was a traditional interview format. Then there was a group thing where everybody had to bring an object and talk about how the object represented Topshop to them and 
Yeah, and and what and like one person was it had, an object that you bought in Topshop? No, like no, it, no, 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 no. It just could be any object. Like oh. so, so, so one girl had brought a disco ball because she was talking about how it was fun and it was dynamic and it helped make the most of of the space it was in and also it was all these tiny little parts worked together to create an you know incredible. Incredible clever. effect, really clever. Someone else brought like a Venetian mask and talked about creativity and art. Like it was all, you know, you're also like, it's just a shop. Yeah, yeah. This is why, why I didn't get the job. It's just a fucking shop. I probably brought like a Top Shop bag and I was like, this is where you put your stuff from Top Shop. No, I didn't quite. I can't actually remember what I brought. But um, you didn't then, get the job. No, 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 I did not. Uh, actually, so I'm misremembering. I, there are several jobs I didn't get. Here's one of them. <laughs> I'm so full of shit. But we also had to go and do a one-on-one styling session with somebody who already worked in Topshop. So it was one of their regional managers, one of their area managers. And was basically like, so she would play the part of, I'm starting a new job and I want to spend X amount. And, you know, I I think I need this and this and this. And so, like, you were sent around because the the Stevens Green one wasn't open yet. So you were sent around the Jervis one. And they basically said to you, you'll be asked to do a styling thing. So really, I should have gone in that morning, spent two hours figuring out where everything was. You didn't? I went in for about 10 minutes, I think. I think I went for a coffee. I, think I, went, I, think I went for like... And a, pe- and a pecan plant. I went for a coffee and a pastry and then was like, yeah. I'll have a bit of a buzz around. Yeah. But what was really awkward was the girl who I, who I actually know now through styling, like, you know, Dublin's like so small. But it was just really awkward because she then had to give the feedback in front of me and in front of the like adjudicators or whatever. It was basically like, you know, I felt like she wasn't very familiar with the product and she didn't really take my... You know, basically, I think she said something like, I think she was catering more to her style than my style, which what? was always my problem as a stylist, to be honest. But, like, excuse me, wasn't familiar with the product. You've been there for a hot second. Yeah, but, like, because we had known about this jo- this interview oh. for, like, three weeks, I think there were, like, some people had spent the entire three weeks figuring out what's the sizing like in Topshop, what's coming up, what's what are the trends, what's, you Well, know, I do think that's I a really weird not. one, actually, when I, when, when I interview people and they go, oh, what's your background? And I'm like, have you literally not bothered to click on my LinkedIn? But, like, I have people on my team who will go, oh, did you really work at so-and-so? And I'm like, are you having a laugh? Like, literally having a laugh. I don't know that I've ever looked up anybody who's interviewed me. I 100% would recommend that as step number one. Who who has interviewed? Who is interviewing you? What's their background? But like your manager, your boss, you've never, you don't know what their background is. Oh, Not my God. unless they've told me. God, I'm crap. Oh, no, wonder, no wonder I'm unemployable. <laughs> God, I better stay self-employed for the rest of my life because oh. this is just, I'm crap. But you know what? When you were saying, if you ever have any qualms about people, listen to that. Anytime I have ever been in an interview and they've said to me, you know, like when you're, inter- when you're interviewing someone, so somebody will go, you know, my one concern for you in this role would be, I think you are very creative and this role might not be creative enough for you or might not be interesting enough for you or they'll go like I think you seem like somebody who's very driven and this is much more collaborative <laughs> who's you know who's like very used to working on their own initiative and this is a very collaborative role blah, the blah, requirements blah. here are from nine to five and you seem like somebody who first spread those eight hours oh my god nine thank and god like the last office jobs <laughs> the last office jobs I had all I'll say is thank god I smoked why because oh, I got to take go a break on the hour every hour 10 or 15 minutes chat with so the guys the guy that I really fancied from oh, from IT be like oh yeah we're just out here having a smoke oh Chill. my god um, men again it's all about men with you oh it is all about men I know it's pathetic girls it's not all about men it's about yourself, yourself girls and, and boys and non-binary people oh people it's not about it's not all about men anyway in like anytime anybody's ever said that to me 
like my concern for you would be this. They have been exactly correct. Oh, are you serious? Literally, I thought you were going to say like how patronizing. No. no. Oh. When I interviewed for Stay City, I remember somebody saying to me, I'm just not sure. Like, it seems like you're very used to working in a creative role and, and to kind of being self-guided. And this is going to be very much kind of by the book. It's going to be very like not boring but you know like very kind of marketing content but you know what and very repetitive but you know what that also like that's a two way street because that's interesting to me that you're saying that now because I'm thinking I've said to people in the past I'm not sure this role is good for you because you know it seems like because more what I'm trying to say is be aware this is not a creative mm-hmm. role you mm-hmm. seem creative and they're always mm-hmm. like yeah and if they take the job I think that they've taken that on board what they're really thinking is she's wrong Oh, yeah. I'm going to make this as creative as possible. But like that never occurred to me before right now. So I'm thinking now well, like, if I ever have that feeling that this is not a good fit for yeah. somebody, it isn't. Not even that I was like, I'm going to make this creative. But in my head, I was like, I can totally knuckle down and do a boring job for six years while I save for my mortgage. Is this Rosemary McCabe? Listeners, who, like, I cannot. No, she cannot. <laughs> Is this you like when you took your last job and you were like, I'm just going to do it for 12 months. And after a month, you text me, you were like, I'm going to quit. This is too boring. Is that the same, this same person? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So what are we learning at the end of this? Anything? I can never go back to paid employment. What are we learning in general? From oh, sorry. This? We're learning. We're trust learning, your instinct. Trust your instinct. But also, you know what? Like, honestly, the most important thing you ever, like the, the, mo- the only useful thing you've ever said to me was. Me? Yeah. The only useful thing you, Beatrice McKay, have ever said to me, Rosemary McCabe, is. You are also interviewing them. Oh, because that good. had never occurred to me before. Oh, yeah, you said that to me, and I remember after that I started asking people, "What do you like about working here?" And I, you know, and they go, "Do you have any questions for us?" And like yeah. I used to go, "No, I think that's okay." Whereas, whereas now when I interview, I mean, yeah, yeah, not that I do, but like in the last couple of interviews, I've always asked, "What do you like about working here?" And also, what do you think is going to be the most challenging part of this role? Mm, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I'm ta- I'm taking away this idea of like if I have reservations about somebody and they're fit for the role like it isn't up to them necessarily to adapt to that but that I should take on board like before I go ahead and hire them that can they adapt or like yeah or like, like is should it reasonable you, like, to expect yeah them to is adapt? it reasonable to expect someone yeah. to change because also like you have to bear in mind if you're like I don't really think I'm a people pleaser but I'm like mm. I'm a total sucker up like mm. I just really I want people to like me I think you know that's what I mean? called people pleasing mm. <laughs> so, so if you're interviewing somebody who's a people pleaser and you say to them, I'm not sure this is going to be for you. And yeah. they convince you. It's because oh, yeah. they want you to hire them. They want you to oh, offer them. They want I'm to feel actually, wanted. I'd like to I mean? go back to like, you want to be a people pleaser, but you're just not that pleasant. <laughs> this, you know what? My <laughs> facial reactions. I remember when, remember when I used to do midday I on TV. To, oh my God, that absolute best picture people, in the world. <laughs> people, absolute best. People used to message me and be like, your facial expressions, like you, because I cannot oh, hold yeah, there's it no in. poker face going on over no, 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 no. Uh, no, not at all. Well, it's like you said earlier on, what did you say? Like, that's your resting bitch face. Well, like dad said to me, along with the cankles comment, and oh, you haven't got your mother's legs. He just said to me one day, literally apropos of nothing, you've got a desperate resting bitch McCabe face. You have, so do I. Yeah, but like, I didn't need that on top of everything else he's already laden on to me. You know that I once said to a friend of mine who is very slim, possibly when we were about 14, I said to her, oh my God, thank God you have stretch marks too. And she didn't know. And like, I honestly, it was literally in my head going, oh my God, everyone has them. That's worse than the resting bitch face. Um, It's pretty bad. I don't know. I mean, like, maybe it's good that you pointed out to her what they were. So she recognized her own body, how it works. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> um.
Anyway, mm. if somebody is a people pleaser, they might be lying to you to get you to like them. Oh, they probably are, I think is what you're saying. So after this great dispensary of Sorry. advice. Oh. I just want to say about my facial expressions. Somebody said to me the other day, you should record some of your episodes and put them like behind a paywall as in a video. Right? Okay. Which, which you had, yes, already suggested. Uh-huh. But I was like, I can't. My facial, because you keep laughing at my facial expressions. I'm like, I don't want them on the internet. I don't want Why people not? to send me screen grabs of me going, Rosemary, you put pictures of yourself dancing in the pool in a bikini. You're it was grand. a video. Yeah, you're grand. There's nothing like, there's nothing bad out there. Like I said to you already, it would literally be mainly a white eyeball with a tiny bit of pupil. It would be fine rolling in the top of your head. So it'd be good. That would be 99% of the time. Yeah, it'd be great. I mean, as long as people, I mean, I think it's more the question is, do people actually want to watch that for an hour? I'm not just saying you, me too. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Not Without My Sister. You can subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Tell your friends. Tell people you don't know. We got a message from somebody who said she was laughing so hard at one of our episodes that she was, what was it? She was, she was asked by the traffic warden. She was driving her kids to school or something. And the traffic warden said, oh, are you okay? Guy, she was crying laughing. I thought it was the guy at the bus stop. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, 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 no. This is another one. She was crying. Anyway, she was crying laughing. And somebody was like, are you okay? And she was like, oh, my God, Aww. I'm this podcast. You should listen to it. It's Aww, hilarious. Oh, that's nice. So tell your friends and random strangers. Thanks. Other topics include? Uh, other, yeah, other things we've talked about. Online dating. Men, men, men. I love in talking about men. In your case, men. Men. In my case, sports. No, no, sports. no. I just meant I love talking about men. In my case, I've talked about sports. I've talked about you careers. Talked, sorry. I've talked <laughs> about sports. I talked about how I was basically the anchor in the school tug of war. That's not talking about and sports. And various other sporting initiatives. We've talked about... Sporting initiatives. <laughs> I actually cannot. We've talked about our careers at length. We've talked about both of our parents. We have. We've talked about... Bodies. Oh yeah, we talked about body positivity or lack and thereof. And what we would like to do is we would like to do some reviews. So we thought it would be good fun to, we got a lot of feedback from the, what was that episode that we talked about? What was that TV show? Sweet Magnolias. Did we? Yeah, we got a lot of commentary about that. People saying, oh, I watched it too and I loved it too, etc. And so we thought it would be fun to do an episode where we review stuff. Now, not necessarily super high because We started out with like, oh, we should review this business book. And Rosemary said, that's a terrible idea. So then we were like, maybe we should review some fun TV shows or books or movies, and then we thought it would be good to ask you all to recommend what we should review. So let us know what you think. So we're going to start our reviews with the new cleaning up show on Netflix called Tidying Up. Get organized with the home edit. Exactly. Starting out with, I think, Reese Witherspoon's Home. So that's going to be the first thing we're going to talk about. And just don't expect like a super long, highly in-depth review because you're going to um, imagine that there might be some segues into trivia. Random crap. Don't expect us to remember any facts. Any names, any details whatsoever. <laughs> but expect us to have lots of opinions. Lots of, yeah, loosely As they held pertain to opinions. ourselves. Yes. <laughs> Thanks like, for listening. Yeah, lots of lots of ways of making all these things about us. And we will catch you, oh, on Friday for our mini-sode, which is now in your ear holes every Friday morning. Bye. Bye. Not Without My Sister is produced by Liam Garrity. Original music and sound by Don Kirkland and original illustration by Lindsay Nielsen. Not Without My Sister is a member of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts, as is my podcast, Meet Your Maker. You'll find more great shows at thewarren.ie.